Welcome to the Data for Disaster Risk Reduction podcast series. This series is a reflection on the systematic use of data for handling the disasters and effective decisions for post-disaster recovery. It focuses on the role of data at each stage of the disaster management cycle that are mitigation, preparedness, response, and recovery. This podcast series would be offering examples of various disasters and the timely decisions taken to reduce the impact of the disaster and minimize the losses. This series is brought to you jointly by CoData, Tomkin and Taylor, and Center for Applied Geomatics, SEPT Research and Development Foundation. Via this series, we bring to you reflections on the interdisciplinary approaches and the innovative use of data taken by various cities for disaster risk reduction, offering examples of good practices and lessons learned. Hi, this is Shelly Gandhi from SEPT Research and Development Foundation. Today, we bring to you an episode on role of social media, geospatial, and earth observation communities to expedite emergency relief. In this episode, we have Shirish Ravan, Head UN Spider Program for United Nations, Office for Outer Space Affairs, Vienna, Austria, and Papon Fakrudin, Technical Director, Tonkin and Taylor from New Zealand. I welcome you both on the episode. Thank you, Shelley. Thanks a lot, Shelly, for arranging this podcast uh, and also welcome to Shirish Ravan for joining with us today. And I think one of the critical aspects we always see that the art observation, what we are talking about, or maybe the satellite-driven data and information, this enormous amount of data are generating by various satellite industry, government, throughout the UN networks. And while we're looking at the research area, we see at the number of data that we are generating for the space uh, white minimum data is applied for the ground application or sectoral decision-making or risk-based decision-making. What do you see here is from your working in the experience in the UN spider area, that what are the major hurdles in this area and what are the opportunities you see to better enhance or better apply some of those super quality, high quality data at are available through art observation could be utilized for sectors, human agencies, as well as climate change or climate financing or any other area that are quite significant discussion is going on. Over to you, Shish. Thank you, Vapan. I think you started with the most relevant question. Um, you touched the most relevant point, rather, I would say. If I, I would like to highlight what's making art observation data most valuable now is, you know, until 2019, the launches that we had into space were limited to 200, average 200 per year. But suddenly now, from 2019 onwards, we witnessed more than 2,000 launches. That means there are lots of space remote sensing platforms or communication platforms or any other space platforms that are being launched and number is going high exponentially, which means field of space technology and earth observation is developing very rapidly that we have never seen before, never witnessed. It means a lot of high quality data is available for disaster management, climate change, or in general sustainable development goals. Uh, the challenge is how one can make use of this data and what are the opportunities. So my experience comes from almost like more than 35 technical ad advisory missions we offered to various uh, countries, developing countries. Of course, 
We also go to uh, countries where they are really good into space technology and we, we take their experts to developing countries who need the help. So the most important aspect that we have seen that policy framework, that is where the main hurdle happens. It's not about availability of data or it is about technical skill. They are the challenges definitely, but most important thing that countries face the trouble in effectively utilizing earth observation information is the policy framework where they, they really need to streamline their policies. They have to make provision for accessing the satellite data or within the country, there are different organizations which, which are engaged into producing a lot of information uh, from satellite data, uh, the satellite images, that information needs to be shared. That is that becomes more major hurdle. So one one thing I'm trying to convey to all the countries that Earth observation today is the major source of dynamic geospatial information. So people talk a lot about geospatial information needed for uh, climate change adaptation or disaster management. And the majority of that information comes from Earth observation today, be it a land use, be it the building extractions, be it the heat waves related or forest fire or land subsidence. So all the information is coming from Earth observation. There are organizations within each country who produce value-added information based on the satellite images, but then you need a framework to bring it under one umbrella and you know, share it and effect, use it effectively for decision making. So this is the hurdle that I have seen. Of course, we will come on other, other part, how data access is being you know, revolutionized these days and what are the opportunities coming. But I think one opportunity that exists for every country is engaging with International Geospatial Framework, IGIF, what we say, Integrated Geospatial Information Framework. Uh, that is basically creating a lot of good awareness through through the GGIM initiative of United Nations, wherein the national mapping agencies are taking lead in you know establishing national data special data infrastructure. With that, if that is well accepted in other countries, I think uh, other players in the country probably people will be able to break those policy framework hurdles. This is my initial response, but let's go on to other data. That's very well. Uh challenges you actually steps and i think also one of the things what we found especially on the developing countries the capability because the processing of this data is a little bit need a specialized tools or specialized capability like you know either you need to have a gis specialist or those kind of uh, image processing specialists so that sometimes some of the small island countries or developing countries might have some difficulties to retain those kind of capable people within the organizations and also i think other such area is like a, one of the good part that you just mentioned actually that data is exponentially increasing and one of the good side of it is actually this data follow a fair principle which is actually data is fungible that is accessible that is interoperable that is actually reusable but when it comes to the sectoral level, I think the major challenge we find is how this fair data of satellite observation data could be integrated or interoperable with the sectoral database. And I think that's why actually similar, some difficulties ha happen with, with metadata standardization with sectoral data versus the satellite data and how actually those could be interpreted into more action. So unless the data tells you about the knowledge or story, it actually doesn't really well interpret. So I think those areas need to be touched upon. But I'd like to also go back to you, Shirish, one of the major areas because so here is one of the one of the major uh, questions that I like to ask you that you play actually quite a significant role as a UN spider, like a regional or in a global level. 
uh, so integrating all these providers into one single platform. But there are also lots of other networking mechanisms like the, the European Commission, the European Union, plus you see that Geo, Art Geo. So how you see there is a lot of interagency collaboration is happening into that global or regional scale. And do you see any sort of improvement necessary? Because Geo has a lot of their subcommittee, their these programs, and how you see those has a lot of connectivity with your networking platform. Uh, yes, I mean, so one important thing is that these kind of international mechanisms are quite essential as of now, because if you see how many countries are really space-faring countries or really have capability of, uh, you know, uh, acquiring the satellite images. So say, suppose I talk of Asia, which the primarily my area is focused on to, okay, my focus is on uh, Asia. So barring China, Japan, India, I think we can name the, and, and South Korea. There are three good space powers. Then we have Thailand, which is fairly doing well now. Then Vietnam is into it now and Indonesia. And then the rest of the over 60 countries are just thinking that they should become space pairing countries. But they still face the problem of disasters, climate change, and sustainable development. They need huge data for uh, decision-making in these areas. And without existence of the frameworks that you refer, like, okay, one of the frameworks is UN Spider that is catering the needs for disaster management and emergency response. Then you said GEO, which has a lot of subcommittees, you know, on thematic focus areas that includes probably biodiversity, disaster, climate, and, you know, several water-related things. So there are several such mechanisms because you go to Africa, there's hardly any country into space, but these countries do need the assistance. So through these mechanisms, we are together as a team able to reach to those countries, provide them the access to satellite data, the products, global products that they can use readily. And uh, I think with that, there's enough awareness has been generated. There's also a lot of capacity building programs that happen through our network. So first, let me go on to data, what is happening and where are the gaps or what can be improved. So for normal situation, when there are no disasters or no emergencies, the, at that time, we need to really take countries along with us, utilize those data for general purpose, for resilience building or, you know, any sustainable development planning can, can include rural development, urban management or anything. This is what is done through these mechanisms like GEO by engaging. But GEO network is more engaging with scientific agencies who are mostly provider of the data or who are more research and analysis and also operational programs. End users are normally not very well tied up. And this is where United Nations fill the gap. Our programs normally engage with governments, the end users. And we are the one who bridge the providers and the end users in the governance because in every country we have united nations offices united nations resident coordinator they are partners in the government they have the biannual plan it's called development assistance framework for the countries and through them we can engage we engage with the, uh, the real end users and we try to bring them into our conferences so this is in general we do and there is we still need to do a lot but i think some important mechanisms they are doing very well is Sentinel missions from Europe, they really opened up the data and most of the people who, who understand how open data is to be used, they are using Sentinel data. Similarly, you can see NOAA or NASA, NASA's Landsat data, they are being like open and a lot of people are utilizing it. India followed the example by establishing the portal called Bhuvan and also recently Bhunidhi. I think that is called catering the huge need of Indian subcontinent and 
they are also funding slowly to cover the South Asia, offering the benefit. In Vienna, we have the Committee for Peaceful Uses of Outer Space, through which one mechanism emerged that's called International Charter Space and Major Disaster. And this is the mechanism that emerged out of our committee is catering the needs during emergencies. Almost all major space agencies are now helping the countries to provide emergency response support. So lots happening onto this, and I hope the, this need will remain until yep. countries become space Oh, thanks, thanks a lot, Shirish. That's a very richful information that you provided, and I think there is a potentiality nowadays, especially to understanding our climate risk using this satellite-driven database. Country can act utilization because when there is a no data available, satellite is here, which is running 24-7, and how that data could be applied for understanding the climate risk or disaster risk or sectoral risk. As well as like nowadays, we also see a quite potential application that this data is like quite using for climate financing accessing for like the green climate fund and others, which is actually quite bring quite bring us like hopeful that our top solution data has a quite useful for our future risk assessment. I think that's all. Thank you, Papon and Shirish. It was very insightful conversation, and I'm glad that now the entire community has started talking about earth observational data and the location-based data which is playing a very major role again the number of space launches are happening and it is also creating a lot of awareness amongst various countries it is interesting to see how the inclusive approach for space exploration is being taken and kind of applications which are being explored by various organizations so I think with this, we can say that the entire nation and the world is moving forward to more informed and specially informed decision making, especially for disaster risk reduction, as that is one of the major area of concern in the coming years. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode from the Data for Disaster Risk Reduction podcast series. If you like our podcast and want to know more about the series, check out our website www.crgf.org and follow us on social media. Please leave a review and like and share wherever you listen to the podcast.